When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. What an incredible 24 hours of sport we've had. I mean, you, Simon, you're going to have to tell us where you watched the World Cup final from. But we're not going to focus on the World Cup. This is a cricket podcast. So we're going to talk about an amazing performance by the young Rayan Ahmed, the leg spinner today, to take five wickets on his Test match debut to become the youngest ever Test debutant to take a five-wicket haul. And what that means for the future of him and both, uh, and also England as well. But uh, I mean, we we have to go back well twelve hours at least to that incredible World Cup final. You're a big football man yourself. Where did you watch it, and what did you make of it? I watched it at the Deputy High Commission uh, here in uh, Karachi. The, the, uh, two things happened though. One was that we were watching it on a stream. So there's a big screen up and there were lots of people there. Some of the Obama army were there. We were watching it on a big screen and it was sometimes it was buffering. So the, the action would freeze, uh, which was, you know, which is extremely frustrating. The other thing as well is that our action was a little bit behind. So there were people with mobile phones and Wi-Fi connections who were saying things like, oh, it's now 2-2 or this penalty's gone in. So it was actually quite a frustrating experience and, and quite annoying as well. You wanted to sort of um, say, well, why don't you just leave the room if you, don't, if you don't want to watch it and let other people enjoy it? Anyway, so it was, it was a sort of bizarre night. But the last part of it, we, we saw uninhibited. We went to the front of the room while these, these people who wanted to tell everyone what the score was before we'd actually seen it on the big screen were at the back of the room. But yeah, an amazing uh, sporting occasion. Uh, fantastic, yeah. Some things are fated, aren't they? And and Messi, you know, scoring that uh, key penalty and and then obviously holding the World Cup, the the one thing he's never won. You know, you you feel all all along that he has been the defining player of the last fifteen to twenty years, and it seemed it seemed the right result, really. With uh, also Argentina having the strongest support at the World Cup and. And that the fervor with, with the, 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 that that kind of fervor they bring to football as well, which is it's wonderful to watch actually. And in a way, it's what England are doing. I mean, in a sort of microcosm, the way England are performing with with with, with the cricket at the moment. No, it's just it's astonishing, really. Uh, we did a review of the year today on on Test Match Special. We look back over the year, and we were asked to pick our highlights of the year with two highlights and I chose one of them I chose slightly random was the the Bumrah 35 off and over at Edgbaston which is you know you'll never you'll probably never see that again and then but also something you'll probably never see again 
500 in a day at, at Royal Pindy. And you, you still have to pinch yourself. I think England scored 500, not just in a day, in 75 overs in that day's play on the, on the first day of the series. And, you know, question marks about whether they could play the same way in Pakistan with different sorts of pitches, slow, low and, and a bit of spin. And they showed emphatically that they could. And you, you, again, you have to sort of pinch yourself that England are on the verge of winning this series by three matches to nil. No one has ever clean-sweeped Pakistan in three uh, matches before in, in Pakistan. Uh, it, uh, it's an extraordinary performance uh, by this team that, you know, a year ago were in, in the middle of a, you know, an, an awful Ashes series, let's, let's face it. Terrible well, let, let, In fact, I mean, it's it's 12 months almost to the day, isn't it, since they were bowled out for 60-odd in, in Melbourne. And uh, you know, sort of that was December the 28th, actually. And we're going to do our own review of the 12 months, actually, in, in a, a podcast just before Christmas. But for the moment, we should just dwell on an amazing day today, which at one stage actually looked as if it was going quite well Pakistan's way with... 150-odd for three, Barbara Zam looking destined for 100 on his favourite ground. And bizarrely, perhaps, and of course, Ben Stokes is now going to say this is part of his master plan, <laughs> the, the man who took a couple of key wickets in the first innings, Rayan Ahmed, hadn't yet had a bowl. But when he did, how the game changed. Yeah, uh, astonishing, really. They, uh, one, I think the perplexing thing, uh, you know, that they didn't bowl was that Saad Shaquille, he'd be, you know, he dismissed him in the first innings. He bowled him a good in a leg break and Saad Shaquille, who's, you know, England just find it really hard to remove in this series. And they did get him quite cheaply in the first innings, out for 23. And it was Rehan Ahmed who managed it. So this partnership was developing. You thought, isn't Rehan Ahmed an, an option here to at least try to dismiss as uh, Shaquille, okay, Barber might be a, a different matter altogether. And, and, you know, he has not looked like getting out to a slow bowler in this series. Uh, you know, one caveat there is he did get out to a slow bowler in the first things of the first Test match when it was a, it was a quite a lazy shot when he had 130-odd. It was short outside the off time and he cracked it straight to backward point. And, and everyone was amazed because, he, you know, he didn't look like getting out. And, but since then, n- no one, no spinner has troubled him in this, this series. And Rayhan Ahmed comes on. Lo and behold, I mean, how many wickets did you get with, with your long hop yards? You must have got a few in your career because people, you know, batters' eyes light up, don't they? And it was a yeah. shocking delivery, really. It was a pie. And he smacked it straight to Pope at mid-wicket. And, but from that moment, England just took control. And it was the, what we were talking about yesterday, wasn't it? Where, you, you know, when you, you think you're getting ahead of a team, when England used to play Australia, you think you're getting back in the game, you think you're getting ahead, and then bang, they take you down. And that's what England did today. Yeah, actually, leg spinners do get wickets with pies, both long hops and full tosses. And in fact, Shane Warne would have taken a few with a full toss and a long hop. Obviously, you know, the majority of his wickets taken with with superb deliveries or clever cunning. But the reason why I think leg spinners do take wickets with what look like indifferent deliveries is because of that dip and also topspin on the ball. So, I mean, I've got, I've got a ball here, actually. And by adding that bit of wrist to a ball, which an, a finger spinner doesn't do, actually, the ball can hold in the surface or kick up off the surface. And so you look at Rayan Ahmed's wickets today, one with a long hop. Yeah, I mean, Barbara Zam could have picked his spot, maybe, 
it just sat in the pitch a little bit long. Maybe it just bounced a touch more than it might have done from from a Jack Leach. And he just got underneath it more than he meant to. And the, the two wickets he took from top-edge sweeps were classic examples of wickets that wrist spinners can get because the ball kicks in the surface with the top spin and gets a top edge. So it's interesting. Often you see leg spinners get wickets with what appear to be either ordinary or innocuous or even awful deliveries. But even those sometimes, a full toss actually from a, from a leg spinner, can dip at the last moment and cause a miscue. So they are invaluable. You know, they can be a luxury because they do bowl bad balls, but they do take wickets. And this transformed Pakistan's innings from 162 for three to 216 all out. So their last seven wickets fell for 56 runs. And five of those to, to Rayan Ahmed. You know, he didn't deserve every single one of those wickets, but he deserved two or three of them for sure. And especially the wicket of Mohammad Rizwan, where the legs but had just turned enough. And he, he talked a, a little bit afterwards, and, you know, maybe you've spoken to him as well. He talked afterwards about working on the leg spinner and you know, making it spin a bit more. Well, it turns just enough to take the edge of Mohammad Rizwan and get a really a decent player out with a good ball. Yeah, I, I did speak to him afterwards and he said, I said to him, which wicket pleased you most? And he said Rizwan. He said it was nice to get Barbara out, but he acknowledged that it was you know, not a great delivery. Uh, just going back to Barbara, I mean, Barbara actually hit that pretty well. You, you know, I, I know you say, he did, you know, leg spinners can get wicket and they don't quite time it or whatever. He did hit it pretty well. He rifled it and, and it was just too close to Pope. He took an excellent catch, actually. It was, a, it was a really good catch and he made it look so simple. But anyway, he said Rizwan was the wicket that, that pleased him most because that, you know, that, that felt like a sort of genuine leg break bowler's uh, wicket. I mean, he, he also said that he's, he's, he is sort of a googly bowler who bowls leg breaks, and he's, as, you, as you alluded to there, you know, you think of a leg break bowler, has he got a googly? Well, he's got a googly, has he got a leg break? Or It's almost that, isn't it, really? And he's, you know, he's trying to develop some other deliveries as well, but probably all wrist spinners say that. Shane Warne certainly used to say it. it was a bit of kidology there. But. Sure. And look at Anil Kumble didn't spin his leg break much. In fact, he started out as a seam bowler and his googly certainly spun more again because his arm is very high, Anil Kumble. So he spun his googly more than he did his leg break and he caught, you know, 600 odd test wickets. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter as long as you can get something just to go the other way slightly. It, it, it's an advantage. I mean, the confidence he's got, the incredible confidence of youth. It's, it's a glorious thing to watch and, and think about that, that we had once. Uh, actually, uh, you know, England could be, you could level an accusation to England that they've been a bit lucky with this. But I think what they are very good at now, and there's a guy behind the scenes called Mo Bobat, who's sort of in charge of... Uh, cricket development and, and and looking at a lot of stats as well as looking at skills. And what they try to do now is identify players when they're 14. And because they've got quite a lot of data going back, you know, 10 years or so now. So a guy who's, in a way, somebody who's 14, who's now 24, and they can see how he's performing, and they look back at his 14-year-old stats, that gives them a clue as to how much better that 14-year-old was than his peers and what he's therefore produced 10 years on. And I think that that's what they've done with with here with Ryan Armid is look at him when he was 14. And actually, I've just looked up his stats when he was 14, playing mostly for Leicestershire and Rutland under 14s and so on. He made 100 when he was 13 
for Leicester and Rutland off uh, only 99 balls with five sixes. He took five wickets as well. And uh, then in, he also, as a 14-year-old playing for Leicester and Rutland under-17s, he scored a rapid 100 with uh, five or six sixes and a, a lot of boundaries. And he took wickets as well. So they're, they're able to look at those records and see that as a 14 and 15-year-old, he was that much better than quite a lot of his peers. And that can therefore translate into, OK, they've taken a risk by playing him in a test match, but they recognised that there were some stats there which gave him some credibility. And then the confidence he obviously has in and around the, the England team gave them that extra belief that he could do something. And also the, the development of, of, of players at a young age. I, I, one of the things that was in the high performance review was in, instituting an under-17s team uh, for England as well. So that, and that does that play in? It seems to. It plays into this idea of, of developing, bringing on young players. And you, you're, you're seeing something of that in Rehan Armin's well, selection to start with. Remember, he wasn't originally selected in the squad, although, although they it almost, they, remember, they, if you think back, they kept it quiet, didn't they? I think they were going to select him, but they didn't announce it at the time. And then it was only later that it was revealed to sort of take some of the pressure and focus off him that he was going to be in the squad. And he thought, is he going to play? Well, he didn't play in the first two test matches. Would he have played in this game if the series had been won all? You know, probably not. Jimmy Anderson, I'm sure, would have played in this game. But circumstances have conspired. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And who, who knows how his, his career is going to develop? I mean, his batting is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, because he says he's a batter who bowls. He's picked up seven wickets in this match. He's, he's come out basically and whacked it from the first ball, hasn't he, in, in his batting? He was sent in at number three. I made the point on air uh, between innings that, you know, you probably, you probably hope you won't, he probably hopes he won't have to bat. Uh, in, in the England second innings, because if he does bat, it means England are six down and potentially struggling. But lo and behold, first wicket goes down, and out he walks at number three. And, and you know, it's all part of this sort of different approach. He said, Ben Stokes said, get your pads on and, and play a few shots, try and win it tonight, I think was the, the message. There's always going to be odds against because of the light. But again, it's, it just all plays into this way that England are, are approaching their test cricket. Yeah, I think it comes from McCullum, doesn't it, who recognises a momentum in a player and a a sort of confidence, a brimming with confidence sort of character. And having taken those five wickets, why not, you know, build on that, send him out to bat and maybe it'll come off. I think he, in the end, was it was a bit kamikaze that innings, as it was actually in the first innings. And he just needs to just rein it in a bit and just take his time because he tried to do about four different shots in the space of six balls. And obviously in the end, it was, it was going to end in tears. I think that he's... Actually, look, interestingly, looking at his stats uh, of junior cricket, he tends to score quite low scores I, I, or big scores. There doesn't seem to be much in between. And I just wonder if that's because he, he just tries to do too much too soon. And if he gets away with it, then he starts to play and, and, and makes a big score. I think you've got to just be a bit more respectful of test bowlers than, than he was there. I think he was a bit, almost a bit too overconfident, overambitious. But obviously, you know, he'll learn from that. And it was a it was a worthwhile experiment. It was a bit like a shot to nothing in in snooker, wasn't it? A long pot from right off the cushion from one end to the other. And if you don't get it, the ball ricochets back and, you know, that nothing's lost sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see a bit more of his batting before I uh, kind of really judge it. But I think his bowling 
it has really got something because he's got some energy, he's got consistency, he's got a, a good basic action. Obviously, he turns the ball. He knows what he's trying to do. I like the way he threw up a a, a googly uh, late on at Mohamed Wazin, the number ten, and he had a big slog and got caught at mid off. So he he likes to to throw the carrot out there, which I think is a nice aspect to his bowling. And I think you know he'll obviously get better, but he's got that kind of golden arm, it appears, which is an absolute godsend. Yeah, he's very confident as well. He's he's very confident for an 18-year-old. An I mean, you saw that in the way he went out and batted. I mean, it's extraordinary, really. Just, you know, down the pitch, first ball, bang, over the top. And then crashing one through the offside. Like you, I, I actually would like to see him... Uh, you know, block a few, get in because I want to see how he bats. You, I, you know, I haven't seen very much of him, and you, you you want to see him, don't you? Want to, you almost want to enjoy it and relish it. Um, when when you were younger, when I was younger, when you were playing club cricket, school cricket, whatever, you, you wanted a bat. You didn't you didn't want to get out, did you? You didn't want to play too ambitiously, and and sometimes that can make you too defensive. Um, but it's, it's very different these days. You're playing T20, I suppose, and you know you, your innings might only comprise 12 balls or 18 balls or something like that. Um, it's not the way I like to, like to bat, yours. I like to bat all afternoon and you, into the next day. You're, if you're, you're, you're the, the finished. <laughs> the, you're the definition of a boring bastard with the bat. So just think back to what you were doing as an 18-year-old at Christmas. I know what I was doing. I was stacking shelves in Marks and Spencers to earn a little bit of extra money to go on on a trip after Christmas. What about you when you were 18 at Christmas? Yeah, 18 at Christmas. Well, I was still at school. So I was, yeah, I was doing my A-levels. That was my A-level year. And, you you know, you were building up to it after, well, mocks after Christmas. And then, you know, the, the real thing in the summer, you, I was playing, uh, what was I doing sport-wise? I'd have been playing rugby at the time, cricket in the summer. I, you know, used to, I still play cricket during my A-levels uh, for my school team and a bit of club cricket as well. But I, I think he's just confident. I, I mean, you know, who has that confidence at 18? Uh, well, someone I suppose is as gifted as him because he's you know he has been um, touted for a while hasn't he you know we, we've talked about it earlier in the week you know, he's touted by Shane Warne at the age of 12 13 bowled in the nets to the England players at you know at 12 as well and has been in the system he's been in the all the programs and I, so, and I suppose you know, you know the advantage also which is another thing that England are really focusing on of giving these young players as much exposure as they can to big crowds and tense moments. So he's played 14 games in the Vitality Blast and a couple in the 100. And that's always been the objective, is to try and get young players to experience that that nerve-wracking kind of environment of a 20-over game in front of a big crowd on a Friday night. Actually, I remember Jason Roy saying that that experience for him was really important as well for Surrey early on in, you know, when he was quite young, when he was only just out of school and walking off, having hit a couple of boundaries for Surrey in front of a packed house on a Friday night at the Oval, really gave him that confidence that he could belong in this environment. So I think uh, England have really managed, or England and the counties, have, have managed his progress so far very well. Of course, it remains to be seen what going to happen from now on because can he play in test cricket going forwards when either England are only going to play one spinner in New Zealand and in the Ashes at the first part and 
surely they're not going to play him as the only spinner. Because, I mean, Jack Leach has taken over 100 wickets and, again, took three for today. Yeah, that's that's the point, isn't it? Who, who, how do they manage their side when they're playing in different conditions? You, you, you want two spinners in the subcontinent. There's a tour to India... Um, I'm thinking ahead now, 14 months' time, five-match series in India. So that's the next test cricket after England have played the Ashes next summer. So that's a you know an opening there. But yeah, but you're probably not going to play two spinners in an Ashes test match unless, uh, you know, Ray and Ahmed, I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? It's probably it's too soon. Shows real aptitude with the bat and start, you know, you, you churn out big scores with the bat and then you think, well, hold on, you can go up the order and play as a, a batter. He says he's a batter, but that's not going to happen just yet. So it may be this is his one and only test match for a while. It may be that England are just so bold that they just throw him in. Go on, on you go. Play in the ashes. But how, how does what does that mean for Jack Leach? It, it, it would be hard to see both of them playing. I think that, that is the bottom line. And you're right. Are both of them going to play in New Zealand? Uh, almost certainly not. Well, England have got other selection issues as well. Where do they fit Johnny Bairstow uh, back into this side? And one option is to open with open with Harry Brook. But who who drops out, out of Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett? Duckett's had an excellent tour. Reeled off another 50 tonight. Played really positively. And he's. He, I was talking to Jonathan Agnew about this, actually. And Jonathan said, you know, Pace bowlers hate bowling to short left-handers because they, it's an awkward. They, you, you, the length they mess up your length a bit, and they, you know often good cutters. So you know, Duckett has really taken his chance. I think he's been really good in, in Pakistan, T20s and here. He's really advanced his his case, and so you you feel he is a going to be a fixture for a while. You'd think. Yeah, good point about short left-handers actually. Alan Border, the, the captain of Australia for many years, was a very difficult man to bowl. I played for Essex quite a bit. I bowled to him a fair amount, and he, he messes up your length. And, of course, even before that, there was a diminutive West Indian batsman called Alvin Kalicharan, who was about five foot mm. two. Oh, he was a nightmare to bowl at because he could cut, you know, half volleys basically. And another one who wasn't left-handed but was short and, again, difficult to bowl at was Aravinda De Silva, the, the Sri Lankan who again would pull a half volley practically and gave you no length. So you'd end up over pitching and then he'd drive you to distraction. So shorter batsmen, and of course over over the history of the game, actually the shortest batsmen are often the most successful. Bradman, Ponting, Tendulkar, three examples, Brian Lara. You know, those four were all roundabout. Tom Ponting, I think, probably the tallest of them. But most of the others are five foot eight, five foot seven. And, you know, low centre of gravity, eyes low to the ground. I mean, Duncan Fletcher actually talked about, but that, that we had him on our virtual cricket club a couple of weeks ago about playing spin and being low to the ground and getting low. I think Zach Crawley's been working on that as well to try, when he plays a little dab sweeps and things to try and get his eyes quite you know, down and over the top of the ball rather than lofty looking down on it sort of thing to try and get a bit closer to the ball really. And that obviously shorter players have that natural advantage yeah and the other thing about it is how many great tall players have there been N- not not many actually when you, when you think about it uh you know generally speaking you know you, you think in in modern sport the sort of tall strong athlete is the one but not necessarily in, in batting it, it works if you're a pace bowler but not so much as as a batter you know th- think of the the really successful tall batters there well, aren't kevin peterson there, kevin peterson there? stands out actually yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there have yeah. been a few players who've played Test cricket who are very tall, like Tom Moody, for instance. Like, mm. what was that guy from New Zealand, two meter Peter? 
He was he yeah. was very tall. Peter but, Fulton. Yeah, Peter Fulton. Mm. But they've had fairly indifferent careers apart from Peterson, of course, and now Crawley. Yeah, I suppose you're talking about six five is is mm. probably about the it's so close to the limit, isn't it? I mean, any, any taller, um, it, it's it's to do with geometry and and as you well as you talked about with Duckett, the, that 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 low centre of gravity probably helps you as a batter. Uh, England's approach tonight, Yoz. Uh, uh, Rehan Armand said after you know he was sent out to to win it tonight. I mean, it seemed preposterous. 167 in an hour and a quarter. I think they would have won tonight actually in if the conditions had been. Uh, you know, in England, they would have won tonight because they'd have claimed the extra half an hour and I'm sure they would have knocked off the 55 in, eight, in the eight overs. I mean, the, um, the umpires would not have been able to say to them, oh, you can't do this. Uh, there's no possibility of result. They, they would have gone for it, but they were up against the light. The umpires were checking their light meters. So there was no possibility really of, of claiming the extra half an hour. But I think they wanted to. I think they wanted to get it done in three days. And there was a whisper that Brendan McCullum said this morning, um, welcome to the last day of the test series. Uh, so he was quite confident they could get it done in three days, and they almost did. I mean, 55 runs to win. What's that in the morning? Uh, I mean, that's a maximum hour cricket with England. It might be half an hour, 35 minutes, unless they lose wickets. Of well, we're going at eight and over, the, the first bit of that, that opening stand. Uh, Zach Crawley came down the wicket to his first ball, didn't he? It was on a pair. I mean, fantastic. Came down the wicket to his first ball, drilled it down to long on for a boundary. Uh, superb. And uh, sounded the cavalry charge straight away, and... It was it was great to watch, and Pakistan didn't know what to do. Really, they didn't know who to bowl, where to put the fielders. There, there really has been a huge disparity in the captaincy skills of Ben Stokes and Barbara Zam. I noticed that Stokes today, fourteen different bowling changes in seventy overs, and often bowl route for one over, and then tried to get a left hander well, out. He bowled in one over. He got a wicket. Yeah, he, was, he bowled in he was one off. over. He got a wicket. Oh, he's off. Yeah. Yeah, really odd. And, and Stokes, of, who we haven't seen. Yeah, he bowled Stokes, himself. we haven't seen with yeah. the ball since the first test. He bowled eight overs off I the reel. I, I mean, it's it, it, you could say it's captaincy by kind of almost suspending the wheel, but clearly there is method in in that apparent madness. And it's, it, it's borrowing a little bit, isn't it, from T20, where bowlers do get used to bowling one-over spells with a particular match-up in mind, and then someone else comes on. Uh, it's very much a modern way of thinking and it's obviously working because as long as the players buy into it and they're happy with it, it, it keeps the, the opposition guessing all the time. Yeah, well, it, what England have done here is they, they kept Pakistan under pressure for the whole series. Well, well, right from the first over the series, when you think about it, 14 runs off the first over of the series and they've not let up and... Credit to Pakistan, we mentioned this yesterday, they have, they've stuck in there, they've battled away, but you just feel that England have worn them down. And once Barbara Azam went today, he, he often is the, the crucial wicket, then it, it just it, it deflates for Pakistan. And England were, you know, they were into them then, and Pakistan couldn't resist. The last, actually, seven wickets going for 52, with uh, Rayan Ahmed taking five of them. Uh, Mark Wood winning an LBW decision as well. It looked absolutely plumb. Uh, Joel Wilson... Uh, giving it a not out, but you know, that one was overturned. Uh, Jack Leach with his three wickets. It was another, you know, every, everyone has, has contributed, it, it, it seems, in this series. Now, that's the other good thing. And, you know, Joe Root, not, not many with the bat, but he's actually picked up some vital wickets as well along the way. And he's into the 50s now with his test match wickets. I, I wonder whether actually just thinking about Joe, you, you go home thinking, well, oh, I, I should have made a bit more of these pitches out here. 
and and, and scored big. And it's Har- Harry Brook, the man who's who's taken all the accolades really uh, with the bat. I mean, what what a what a year it's been. What a tour it's been uh, for England. It's it's hard to praise them enough, really. I, I don't think it's the the greatest Pakistan side, but it not you know, nor is it the worst Pakistan side. You know, they've got some there is some quality there, but England have just they have subdued them. And they are on the verge of making it 3-0. Well, not much cricket left in, in this series, but it's been exhilarating to watch so far. And if you want to see the, the five wickets that uh, Ray and Ahmed took today, they're on my Instagram feed, yuzza one Have a look at that and, and you know make a, a little judgment for yourself on the skills that he's exhibiting there. It helps, of course, to have good fielders around the bat and sharp athletes grabbing those chances at short mid-wicket and so on. But uh, credit to him for also just snapping up the challenge of the opportunity of being able to play for England aged 18. What a wonderful thing it is. So we'll see you tomorrow for the conclusion of this series and and wrap it all up. Uh, Thanks for listening and speak to you tomorrow. Podcast Network.